top and I realized that's it's not good. You get your spare tire in there. Nobody wants to see like rolling hills up to the Washington Monument, okay? Uh, I tried it from the side, but there's just no way to do that without looking like a serial killer. I don't know what it is. It's just like <laughs> bad news. And I had a genius idea. I was like, what? It's got to be from the bottom, right? Because you got to get that extra fucking inch and a half from your balls of your dick that like, it's like padding your resume, right? Like, it's like all the girls are like, uh, you know, these jobs that want three to four years of experience for an entry level position. It's like, well, listen up. I, uh, it's like this line, it's pretty much lying on your resume, which is what we all had to do, right? Uh, so I tried it. And then uh, it was a hard realization to figure out, like, that's how short my arms are. Uh, it's just like, uh, is this, are you taking, like, pictures of you are, you are. Welcome to Beauty Radio here, the heart of the mission. And uh, we're at Racers Alley. And I haven't been here in a couple of months uh, for various reasons. And uh, a lot of our fellow uh, racers have gone out and uh, done uh, Laguna Seca, AFM, CRA, and that type of thing. So it's really, really cool. Uh, like I said, I've been dealing with other things, and I haven't had my show on. But uh, this weekend, uh, this week, we are starting up again because the San Pedro Martel Hill Climb, as well as the Baja International Tourist Cup are coming up, as well as, you know, a bunch of our friends been racing. We'd like to hear of their experiences. Some folks here, Kevin's uh, joining us today. Uh, he just got back from the Isle of Man, uh, watching the whole shindig over there, and Milk Crate. Brian is back uh, spinning tunes. We're going to have uh, uh, Subculture Racing Wade Boyd in here as far as, um, you know, being our co-host as normal. And he just ran as well, Arma and a few other things. He's doing uh, off-road, um, I guess you could say sidecars, all types of weird things. And a speedway bike on his alcohol, Jawa, or methanol, or whatever you run it on. But anyways, uh, yeah, holy moly, we got a few things to talk about tonight. Uh, around 6.40, we have uh, Chris Moranian calling in. He just ran a, at Laguna Seca on an FZ07. Also, uh, he's got uh, AFM experience as well. Uh, at 7 o'clock, we have uh, Sean Keen. Uh, he's a pro tuner. He's done everything. If you know him, El Skippador, AMA races. He's done your tires. And, uh, boy, he cooks a, good, a mean barbecue as well at the racetrack. And uh, at 7.20, we're going to have Andrew Gower again calling in. Uh, he's done the Baja International Tourist Cup uh, as well as uh, the uh, San Pedro Martir Hill Climb, as well as just racing recently at Laguna and, I believe, Moto America. So that will be really cool to hear from Andrew. Uh, as far as right now, you know, like I mentioned, uh, we're just getting back together. Uh, Milk Crate Brian's here to spin some tunes, so we're going to, we just got on the air. I'm going to have him play some tunes before we get our first caller in at uh, 6.40. Uh, Wade will be in here shortly, and we'll get a little bit more going on. However, let me just uh, get a little bit more organized and uh, have a beer or something, and um We'll get back to you shortly. Welcome back to Racers Alley here at Meetany Radio. It's been months since we had a show, and I know uh, you six listeners out there have been pretty bored. So I'm here to fill your schedule in again. Yar. So, uh, Milk Crate, what do we got going? Oh. Iron Maiden. <laughs> Iron Maiden. Right on, right on. Okay. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. Cheers. Welcome to Meeting Radio, Races Alley.
Hey, welcome back to Racers Alley here at Mutiny Radio in the Heart of the Mission. And, uh, yeah, it's Alex here. And, uh, boy, it's been a while, like I mentioned, that we had a show. And uh, tonight we have a packed show. Uh, Milk Crate Brian's back, uh, you know, uh, spinning tunes. Uh, we have a, a Kevin here tonight, actually. He just got back from the Isle of Man watching the TT and great stuff. And he'll have some nice stories about that. And Wade Boyd should be showing up anytime now. And uh, yeah. Yeah, so it'll be a nice show. We have a at six forty. We have a Chris Moranian calling in. He uh, just raced at Laguna Seca on an FCO seven, I believe, and he uh, actually runs AFM as well. Uh, at uh, seven o'clock, we have Sean Keane, and he's an a, uh, AMA uh, tuner. He's actually a badass uh, tuner, and uh, also a great, great barbecueist, and feeds everyone over there at the. Uh, races whenever he's there people love to be around his barbecues and at 720 we have andrew gower uh, a, a previous guest uh, he ran the uh, Baja International Tourist Cup as well as the uh, uh, San Pedro Martin Hill Climb. So it'll be nice to hear from him. And just recently, he, I believe, he ran at Laguna Seca and um, Moto America. So it'll be great to hear about those uh, particular races. And um, yeah, so shortly we'll we'll get on with the show and uh, a little commercial break, I guess you could say. Uh, here at uh, Mutiny Radio, Pam, uh, she does a great job, our, our, our captain here, and she uh, runs the show. And, you know, it's been a hard couple of years. Boy, oh boy, I, I can't believe that uh, we're still alive here at Mutiny Radio since the COVID and all that stuff. And uh, after that, since that, and the way she worked it out is uh, she now has uh, outdoor comedy shows in a lot of venues uh, to make people laugh. Uh, so on Mondays here, she has a joke workshop at Mutiny Radio at 21st in Florida at 6 p.m. So if you want to be an upcoming uh, comedian, it's great to come to the workshop because all she does is like uh, there's a bunch of folks here. They write stuff down. You stand on a stage and you, you know, try and become a comedian. And what they do is they critique you. It's like a creative writing class, but different. I mean, it's very, very hard to get in front of people and, uh, you know, bury yourself, so to speak, and uh, very, very hard to get laughs. And uh, it's a great way uh, to, to start here with a joke workshop because Pam's going to do whatever she can to make you successful. She's one of the best people when it comes to actually, like, you know, <laughs> you know, helping out a bunch of comedians. It's really, really cool, actually. And uh, so currently, I believe she has a show every first and third Thursday at the Bar in Dolores. That's over on 29th and Dolores at 7.30 p.m., and also on uh, Thursday, uh, the second and fourth Thursday, she has a show at Emperor Norton's, which is at Turk and Larkin at 7 p.m. I love that bar, by the way. They have two two levels, two floors. They have a great backyard. They have a big old uh, table for, uh, uh, it's not board. I think it's shuffleboard. But uh, anyhow, a wonderful bar. Got a lot of friends there uh, and uh, who work there as well. So Emperor Norton's at 7 p.m. Turk and Larkin on Thursdays and the second and fourth Thursdays. And on Friday, of course, as always, you can have free comedy, 6 p.m. Meet Any Radio here at 21st in Florida. Uh, it's uh, very, very cool. Uh, it's, it helps out. Uh, a lot of people from the joke workshop actually go into... Uh, graduate and they end up doing proper comedy shows and they start out with comedy on Mutiny Radio on Fridays at 6 p.m. at 21st in Florida. So it's really, really cool. You know, Pam does what her, her best to, you know, get everyone together and teach them how to be comedians. She has a bunch of shows during Mutiny Radio. You can always check us out on the website and you can also see, you know, uh, 
what the schedule's like. If you want, you could always, uh, if yourself, if you're interested in be, being in front of a mic, you can also rent some airtime as well, as like I do. I have uh, two hours every Thursday, and I haven't been here for a while, and she saved my slot anyway, which is really, really cool. I love her so much. So, anyways, uh, Mutiny Radio, we're always trying to get by. Uh, you can always donate here to Venmo at Mutiny Radio, and, uh, you know, uh, keep, uh, keep, keep us going, because uh, what we do is we help people, we help comedians, uh, all the people who have radio shows have a specific purpose, trying to get the word out for various things. So, yari yar. Thank you, Pamtastic, for always having Meet Any Radio open. Thank you, thank you very much for actually saving my time slot here and believing us, believing in us here at Racers Alley. So, yar. Uh, Wade Boyd should be here soon. We're going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, Milk Crate Brian's got some tunes going on, and uh, we need to make sure his mic's working. Say check, check. No, see, I don't have a. No, we, we yeah, we gotta fix your mic, Milk Crate. All right, so Milk Crate will be back with a mic working, and we shall put on some music. Here we are. <laughs>
Yeah, we are. Milk Crate Brian's here and figuring out our mic uh, situation, but we still can't figure out what's wrong with Milk Crate Brian's mic, but at least we got Kevin's mic and Wade Boyd's back in town, Subculture Racing Wade. Wade, welcome back. All right, thanks a lot. Yeah, we are. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, we've had a lot of folks, I uh, haven't been here for a while, but uh, a lot of folks been doing a lot of racing since uh, we have had our show recently. And, Everybody's uh, been racing. Yeah, and so, Wade, what have you been up to? I've been, I just did Laguna, um, and I did sidecars, uh, extreme sidecars before that. And uh, when you say you just did Laguna and extreme sidecar, uh, who are you running with, and what does that mean? So at Laguna, I was running just subculture racing, number 88. Um, we've just been running that for years. And what is that? Uh, Formula 2 rig, um, and we were running against a Formula 1 rig. So that means, uh, for, for folks that don't know out there, sidecar racing is actually a three-wheel Formula kind of one car where you actually have another passenger, and your passenger was uh, Eric Lindauer. Yes. So uh, Eric has actually been Wade's passenger on a few different type of rigs, but uh, this weekend was ARMA, or last weekend was ARMA, right. which is uh, American Historical Motorcycle Racing Association, I think. Yep, you said but it the, right. Uh, they do uh, all types of vintage bikes as well as, uh, you know, a few kind of newer bikes. Uh, theoretically, I could I guess I could have raced my R1. Yeah, but sw um, swear, if you got a bike, we got a, a class for you. Yeah, and mine's still carbureted. But uh, anyhow, uh, so Wade, you just went to Laguna Seca with Eric and uh, for the Armor Classics. Uh, Laguna Seca's been doing a lot lately with uh, uh, CRA, and I think AFM's going to be racing there. There's a lot more access to Laguna Seca than they used to be. Used to be Laguna Seca was very like a bare, rare place, but all of a sudden they seem to open up a great deal. Yeah. And uh, almost you know, everybody's running Laguna. Yeah. Uh, all the, uh, you got uh, uh, several, uh, you know, the, the track day folks doing that out yeah. there now, as well as uh, race organizations. Three now that I know of, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, which is ARMA, uh, CCS, and AFM is going to be doing that at the end of the year, at the end of the month. Unfortunately, yeah. I think we're going to be over at the Baja International Tourist Cup yeah. when AFM is going to be running at Laguna. Uh, which is R.E.R. Yeah. But uh, anyways, uh, we'll be eating tacos instead of uh, eating hot dogs or whatever. But uh, so anyhow, how has your race has been? Oh, really, really good. We um, There were, wasn't that many, uh, much competition. So we all ran around and looked really looked good. So we all got trophies. It was hilarious. Well, uh, when you say that, I mean, um, sidecar racing is very rare here in, in the States. And uh Boy, I mean, uh, you know, the handful here on the East Coast and the handful in the West Coast, and yeah, it's pretty much what you have, huh? Yeah, and the COVID's really hurt the clubs. Um, so Arma's the only kind of the only club in town. They come to town three times a year. Gotcha. And the third race got canceled, so they had got two races a year. Otherwise, we all got to go east. Because most of the races are back there. Yeah, uh, for Arma, a lot of the races are back east. They're more of a East Coast organization than here. Yeah. It's nice that they get here, which is really cool. But yeah, the majority is over there. Yeah, so yeah. it's a little it's a little hard for us homeboys to <laughs> do all that traveling. We can travel once in a while, but, and then uh, Barber's going to come up. That's kind of the one that everybody's looking at. But it's really hard to get a sidecar shipped there. Where where would that be? Uh, Barber Motorsports, Georgia, Georgia. Yeah, Georgia. 
Yeah. The South? Yeah. Holy moly. It's in the middle of nowhere. Really? Oops, no, Winnie. It's hard to get there, so that's why I haven't I haven't made it the last couple of years. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's very expensive to actually get out there. Yeah. Yeah. So gotcha. um other than that, yeah, a great time. Great awesome. Time. Uh any sponsors, anyone you want to thank for that? Or thank you, Arma? <laughs> I want to thank Arma and the turn workers and yeah, of course and Eric for doing such a good job. Yeah, yeah yar yar. That's great. You know, I mean, your passenger. You know, um, I can't imagine running something with uh, someone else that I have to be responsible or vice versa. You know, that must be a very um, symbiotic relationship. I mean, Christine was with you for at least ten years, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, uh, to be a sidecar passenger, it's not like being a road racer. You you have someone else with you, and if you if one of you make a mistake, it can you you know, cause something. Unfortunately, a couple of people uh, passed at the Isle of Man this year on the sidecars, in, in particular over on the uh, Agos One Tour. No, uh, Agos Leap, Agos Leap itself. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot more dangerous over there than it. Tiny is here. We have a nice polite playground, and there's nothing to run into tiny anywhere. Yes. However, I mean, as a pedigree, you did do uh, Pike's Peak, you know, and at one point you were the turtle upside down for a second, but you went out there and did it again. Yeah. 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 The hill climbs are very dangerous because there's no runoff anywhere. Yeah. Like like road racing. Yeah. Yeah. it's so, a, to- a totally different animal. Yeah, every- everything's great until it's not. <laughs> exactly. And as I'm looking at Wade, uh, he actually has a winner's watch from Pike's Peak they gave him. You know, like uh, certain cups, you got the Rolex and stuff. That's a Pike Peak's winner's watch. Yeah. Uh, if you can't see it, it's really, really bitching. Uh, you should take a picture and put it on the interwebs. But uh, face him a book. Anyhow, uh, I believe we're going to have a caller here within a minute. So let's put some music on Milk Crate. And then we shall have, I believe, uh, Chris Moranian calling in. Yar yar. And we'll get back to the racing. Actually, wait. <laughs> Cheers. That was a corner man. What? I did, I did corner work.
Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have uh, Milk Crate uh, let us know who he's just been playing because uh, his mic's out, but it's cool because he has the best music, actually, Yar Yar. And uh, so apparently we got a caller in right now. Is it uh, Chris Moranian? Yar Yar. All right. Thanks, Brian. Hey, how are you? This is Alex over here at Racer's Alley. And, uh, boy, I guess we know each other through the, uh, I guess, the, what you call the uh, Face of a Book. Um, and yeah. I, I hear for you know I just we're we're just Facebook friends, but I always love seeing that you're going out there and you know uh, you've ran AFM and I believe you were a lightweight uh, runner on the AFM and uh, just recently you ran an uh, FCO seven at Laguna. Uh, yeah, right on. Uh, lightweight motorcycles, heavyweight rider uh, is how I tend to do it. Um, well, yeah, I, I ride a Yamaha R three and an FCO seven. A uh, Yamaha R three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how is that for you? You know, I started on an FCR 400. Wade has done uh, light bikes as well. I think he even ran a 125 at one point. But uh, um, it's, you know, uh, we have no, how do you say, uh, problem with light bikes. And uh, how is that new R3? You know, light bikes are awesome. It definitely keeps the cost down. Yeah, for uh, sure. With regards to my R3, I mean, I love to represent Yamaha. I love uh, that it's kind of a dying bike, but some people still ride it. I was the only person on a Yamaha R3 uh, this past weekend at uh, Moto America, the Laguna Seca round. I really? Senior Cup, actually. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Moto America? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was my first time uh, racing a professional race. Wow, right on. Right on, right on. Um, let's see here. I, you know, Wade's done, uh, you know, a little bit out there as far as the AMA races, right, Wade? A little bit, yeah. You are. And uh, this is really, really cool, Chris. I mean, uh, was it a particular program that you can get uh, R3 out there? Because I didn't know Moto America had, you know, smaller uh, CC bikes, you know? So, actually, they do. And despite the fact that pretty much everybody else is on a, on a Ninja 400, there are rule provisions that allow the Yamaha R3 uh, to actually have lots of modifications. So, as a matter of fact, the Ninja 400s, are heavily, you know, quote-unquote, nerfed. So they need to have a quick shifter on it that reduces their RPM by about 2,000 RPM. They need to have a restrictor plate uh, in front of the throttle bodies. So they actually wow. restrict the Ninja 400 significantly. Yeah, they can't have uh, certain tuning modules. It pretty much otherwise has to be stock, stock engine, stock everything, basically. Um, whereas the Yamaha R3, uh, you can actually kind of build up the engine. You can put high-compression pistons. You can put... Uh, camshafts, you can put thin head gaskets, you can put velocity stacks, open air box. So you can, you <laughs> can do a lot it. of things to the R3. You can bike it. Wade uh, and I know about building up bikes, and you know, yeah, it turns into a little monster, doesn't it? Oh, I mean, compared to how it was when I first got it, absolutely, but you know, I must say it's still a little, uh, I wouldn't say on the weak side compared to the 400s, but it just, the, the power delivery is a little bit different. It makes a little bit more horsepower, but a little bit less torque. So you know, uh, Yamahas are always like a two-stroke. You got to get them above ten. You know, I've been racing R ones forever, and mm-hmm. weights been doing a lot of stuff. But yeah, you got to wring their their necks out. You know, uh, 
which is just you know a little bit of a different type of uh, writing i guess you could say uh style you know anyhow uh, let's talk about uh, what just went uh, went on i mean you just uh, ran an fco7 uh, how was that bump up so that bike was great my fco7 is heavily modified it's you know a lot of people call it the fco7r uh it was kind of what people used to do with the fco7s prior to the introduction of the R7, which is now what everybody's using. Which is not uh, honestly, much different. That's a great bike. The R7? FCO7, R7, yeah, they're they're extremely similar. Well, uh, what, what I'm asking, Chris, is like, uh, you made your FCO7 basically into an R7 before the R7 came out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how are you liking that bike? Uh, how, did, how, how was it, actually, to be at Laguna Seca on that? Right, so two weeks before Moto America was CRA, and that's where I rode the FC07. The plan was to ride the R3, but I rode the FC07 because the R3 was still getting the engine rebuilt to the Superbike spec. Um, and I have pretty minimal experience on the FC07, but it's a phenomenal bike. Um, mine is not heavily modified, so it's, so it's kind of like a stock engine. It is extremely torquey. You know, they, they renamed the FZ07 to the MT07. MT is allegedly master of torque. Truly, that bike is a master of torque. It makes a lot of freaking torque. That's awesome. So basically, you broke that bike in as a racer at Laguna Seca. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. bitching. I mean, uh, you can't yeah. really say that a lot. I mean, I've never R E R. You know, uh, were you racing at Laguna when you broke that bike in? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I raced at Laguna at CRA with it. I bought that bike last year, but it's kind of just been sitting in the garage because I've been focusing on my R3. Um Wow. But, uh, yeah. That shows a, a significant, actually, upgrade in talent, you know, as far as being able to get on a, you know, a smaller bike immediately to a different bike that you never ran and be able to actually run there. You know, CRA, I, w- I should have been there. Uh, I got to call him and uh, have him back on my show. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, as far as racing that, that's that's a pretty bitching story to come from a, you know, a smaller bike immediately to a uh, well uh, FCO seven and uh, to be able to do that at Laguna Seca, which is a world class track, which is very very technical, you know. And uh, I've seen you know what you've done as far as on the Facebook book as far as racing, but uh, boy, you know, uh, kudos to you. I think that's really really bitching. Oh yeah, thank you. I mean, I couldn't have done it without you know the support of a lot of people um, at CRA. Uh, there's uh, Bobby Lou suspension he's called motor F suspension out there and he was actually able to rebuild my shock the night before cra wow you know we've yeah. we've all had a problem and you have to ask a guy who's in the pits and that's really bitching what's his name again bobby lou with motor F suspension that's awesome so cheers to that and uh yeah send me a text and i'll start uh, you know give him a kudos uh in my show throughout the year oh yeah right on yeah thank you yeah, well, um, someone like that deserves recognition. Yeah, can you, you revive know? this at 4 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> sure, I can. <laughs> <laughs> right, we all been here. Wade and Kevin here, yeah. you know, we're just all listening here, and that, that's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, what are you going to do next? Oh, also, I, I have a note here. Um, you just got a new suit, a race suit. Oh, yeah, I did. Well, that suit was for Moto America, which was, again, last weekend. Um, I needed a suit that, that was compliant, and I got an Anthem racing suit. Uh, really cool guy. The guy's name is Joe Amadolia, who actually runs that company, and he's sponsoring me uh, for this year and next year as well. 
uh, with the suit. So I got a bitchin' suit. It's airbag compatible. So I got my airbag under there too. Cool. Uh, fits me great. Looks great. It matches my color scheme, which is white, gray, and black. Matches my R3 as well. Awesome. So, yeah, right on. It's a great suit. Feels well, good. Uh, forward me that information as well, because all my guests, you know, I'll mention their sponsors through uh, my shows. So, I mean, that's part of the deal, you know. And uh, this show, Racers Alley, is about promoting racers and those who help racers. So, uh, yeah, for sure, for sure, you know, send me your uh, information as far as that goes, and I'll be happy to actually pass that on. You know, that's pretty bitching. Um, let me ask you, how was it going through Laguna? Uh, on at Moto America or at CRA? <laughs> well, either. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, my bank account took a big hit having those two Laguna weekends back to back. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. Probably like four yeah. grand, you know. Uh, a little bit more than that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was uh, freaking pricey. Laguna is a beautiful track. Laguna is so awesome. Uh, I rode it for the first time last year on my R3 at a track day. And then again, I had the privilege of running it two back-to-back race weekends uh, in June and July, uh, pretty much back-to-back. It's a phenomenal track. I watched some MotoGP videos of Rossi versus Stoner there. Uh, they had, you know, that really close battle that I think it was back in 2008. Uh, so it's a freaking awesome track, lots of elevation change, and that kind of can make it difficult. You know, you have to break downhill going into turn two. So you kind of <laughs> get the rear a little loose on that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man, you should be very, very proud. And uh, especially, uh, I, I'm more impressed when um, you just stepped up from the 300, which I love, little bikes, to the 07. I mean, that's a whole different ball game as far as uh, body English. I mean, you had, to, you had to learn really quickly. You know, I know what it's like to, you know, go racing and all of a sudden have a completely different bike. And it's not very easy. And uh, I got to say, that's very, very good as far as talent goes be able to Maybe not stress and do anything like that, you know? <laughs> so. What? You still there? Hello? Yeah, did we lose you? <laughs> uh, I guess for a moment. Sorry, at and You are, let you are. Out of my, uh, let me step out of my lead bunker real quick. <laughs> there you go. I'm back. Every but, racer should yeah, no, have it's a bunker. Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> It's yeah. awesome. Actually, one of my sponsors, Magura, Magura Brakes. Magura, uh, yeah, we heard of them. On my FC07, and that thing is a beast, I'll tell you. I have an R6 front end on that bike. So the FC07 really, uh, I'm sorry, the Magura Master, coming from an R3 with the you know, single brake and the little cheap Taiwan Master Cylinder to a Magura Master and the R6 front end was definitely, that was the hardest part for me the whole weekend on the FC, especially at Laguna. So you modify the 07 to actually have a, 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 wow, that's nice. Actually, that makes a huge difference to have the powerful brakes as well as the triples and everything. That's That actually is pretty cool. You are. Right on, right on. Um, shoot. Uh, Makura was your sponsor as well? Yeah, so my sponsors for this year, uh, JK <laughs> Suspension out here in Northern California, he was out there helping me with my R3. He's primarily been helping me on the R3, but thank God, without his support, I would have been totally screwed at Moto America. Again, it was my first time. I was super nervous. And he, you know, like, the bike feels a little bit weird. Jason, please look at it. He'll talk to you. He was sitting there making me do notes, uh, looking at the notes, tweaking things on the bike, pressure, suspension settings, geometry. Uh, Brian Edgington, Jordan Edgington, they were, there, they were there as well. They have a lot of pro racing experience. Uh, they were conducting the radio at Moto America. Thank God for them, or else I'd 
still be there right now waiting for my race because I never got the call. Uh, uh, you know, my teammate, Andrew Gower, who I think was on tonight, maybe at an earlier time slot, I'm not sure. Yeah, um, he really wanted to call in, call in with you and both have the uh, back and forth, like a, you know, have a have a little session here. But unfortunately, yeah. we don't have two lines. But uh, yeah, I, I know you two are oh, mates and I, I see on the Facebook books. Uh, yeah, you guys race together and you both support each other, which is really, really cool. I think he's going to be actually calling in around 720, um, okay. which is really cool. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, well, uh, thanks for calling in and uh, call in again uh, after your next races. You know, sure. and uh, yeah, well, you're 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 our guest now, so uh, do do me a favor and uh, send me your sponsors, uh, so I'll mention them on the show from here on in. You know, because uh, they deserve recognition. You know, uh, that type of thing. Thank you, I appreciate it, Alex, uh, Wheelie Wade, everybody. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, nice seeing you guys, and talk to you soon. Okay. Well, we hope to see you again. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Be safe. <laughs> See you, bye. <laughs> well, you know, see, you know, whatever. I was thinking like this is key.
Yar, yar. Welcome back to BD Radio, the heart of the mission. And uh, boy, it's been a fun evening. And I believe we have on the phone another call in, uh, our second guest of the evening, and a previous guest who's actually been in our studio before. Uh, Sean. Sean, how are you? Doing well, mate. I can barely hear you. Let's see here. Uh, how's that? I, I can hear you fine. Perfect. Now I can hear you. Hey, Sean. Okay. How you doing, mate? Uh, I'm doing. Doing pretty good. It's uh, it's been real hot the last couple of days down here, so it's one of those ones where I'm like, oh, I wish I had some air conditioner, some of that nice uh, Bay Area breeze coming off the ocean. Some fog. Yeah, for our listeners, uh, we live here in San Francisco. I'm meeting the radio in the heart of the mission, and Sean used to live here in San Francisco as well, and it was a, a great fixture and a lovely, uh, you know, it was great to have him around here close, but uh, he moved down south a little where, in the valley, where it's probably about 100 degrees where you're at right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yeah. Right now, we're all putting on sweaters, Sean. Duh. Yeah, right. no, I, I know. I <laughs> <laughs> I know. I really miss miss those days sometimes, uh, especially like days like today. <laughs> uh, don't worry, I've lived there as well, and we yeah. race in that stuff. I mean, uh, Sean, yeah. I was just mentioning earlier on my show. I mean, you have a great pedigree. So, how have you been? What have you been up to? Um, well, th- so this season, I am working for the three D Motorsports team, and it is owned and operated by uh, I say former professional racer, but he still does some pro racing like at the club level uh and former uh dunlop test pilot uh dustin dominguez and his lovely wife ashton and we we have uh we started the season with three riders but unfortunately the junior cup kid um great guy but just wasn't a real good fit for the team so we parted ways with that but now we have um a rider in uh 600 super sport and then uh, a rider in stock 1000. And we just recently got those, you know, they allow the GSXR 750 to run in um, the Super Sport class now. Neat. So you can actually buy a more affordable motorcycle because uh, yeah, yeah. they don't make and those it, anymore. Yeah. And, this, you know, the Suzukis are, I, I've always noticed over the course of my career with them that they're really good about. Um, what's usually referred to as parts bin manufacturing where, you know, Brian we're going to buy a hundred thousand of these brake calipers and put them on three different sport bike models so that we're not paying so much for them. So there's a lot of changeability um, and spares available. And, and that's definitely really good for, um, you know, street riders and, and club level guys that maybe don't have as much budget as a, as a team like us does. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. For and sure. Then, and, you know, what's nice about that is uh, you're able to actually, well, uh, in a sense, the GSXR 750s right now, I mean, what are you getting them? Four, four or five grand? I mean, uh, you're oh, able no, to buy no, a no. nice bike for cheap and be able yeah, to race yeah, yeah. it. But, but we're obviously running the current this year's model. Oh, they still make 750s. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. I thought they were discontinued. <laughs> no, no, no. They, um, You know, from a glance, they look just like the 600. Wow. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be until you really got up to them and you started measuring a couple things. You'd be like, oh, okay, this is bigger. This is, okay, this is longer here. You know, that kind of stuff. But since... It's a weird rules deal because, you know, that super sport class right now, they're letting that uh, 
that eight ninety nine Ducati in. Okay, so they they okay. left the seven fifty in, and then there's still a bunch of R sixes out there too. So what they do with the rules package to kind of even it out is that they will um, restrict electronically uh, the 750, and they do something with the Ducati, too. And then they let the R6 do, like, cams and port polish. You can, you know what I mean? They let, they yeah. let the little bike make a little more horsepower, take a little horsepower away from the bigger bike. Well, it's almost uh, economical to buy a bigger bike and not, like, totally polish the shit out of your bike to try and beat a, you know, other bike that's heavier, you know, that costs nothing. <laughs> right, right. And that's definitely good for, but at the club level, they don't do any of that stuff. But I guess, you know, for, you know, maybe racers that can qualify at a national, but only do the races that are in their region of the country, that's, that's a very good point because it would be more economical to not have to do a lot of that stuff, you know. I mean, for... For our team, and I think a lot of people that race on the national level, you know, one of the first things that's going to happen when you get a new bike to go racing is you're going to take it completely apart and go through it and get the motor freshed or done. Or, exactly. You know what I mean? So there's, yeah. Yeah. there's already a lot of a prep and stuff in, involved in it. And, and unfortunately, we, we, you know as well as I do that racing is definitely not inexpensive. Oh no! Uh, I have a money tree out back. It just yeah. cost me shit. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> those I mean, dollars I, are still drying. I, I often tell people when they talk to us about budget and and that kind of stuff. I'm like, man, if you're gonna do most of the races with a small crew, and you know, maybe you got two bikes, a backup, and your spares, and your truck and trailer, and all that, you're still gonna need like a half million dollars to go do the season if you're going to do all the rounds all over the country and, and i'm including like crew member flights <laughs> fuel for the truck food at the track and on the road hotels I I any kind of maintenance expenses like we had a tire blowout on our trailer and uh luckily it happened not too far from a truck stop but it was like if you were out in the middle of nowhere that'd be a big problem yeah, well, I mean, working for pro teams and, uh, you know, I mean, you definitely, your job is to get the bike there, have it set up with a full pit. I mean, I've seen that shit before and, you know, that's a job and, yeah, your job is to have the superstar come in, sit on his bike and go from, you know, no yeah, yeah. bullshit. This, this, you know? this team yeah. is a little smaller than some of the other teams that I've worked for. We don't have a semi-truck. We've got a, like a 24, 28-foot trailer <laughs> And then a dually that, that hauls it, you know what I mean? But but this is Dustin's first professional season of owning, operating, and running his own team. Wow. That's a big investment as well. You know, you kind of yeah. want to make sure you, yeah. you yeah. kind of, you know, have some trophies, you know, and, you know. Uh, right, right. Which which the, our um, Luke Powers, the super sport rider, he has gotten on the box a couple times this season. Nice. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, you know, it's it, it, it's very very hard to win, 
you know, yeah. and uh, well, I just went to Wade's garage the other day, and I couldn't, I couldn't like see beyond the pile of number one plates he has now, just lying in his garage, which is quite hilarious because he's running, you know, several different classes now. But it, right. I've been there in a while. It's like, yeah, there's just so many, you know, plates, your trophies around. It's just like, yeah, I just throw them in the corners now. But uh, yeah, that was kind of funny. But uh, that being said, you know. Um, what what is your itinerary? Uh, are you working for someone proper? Uh, it's like, uh, what's your next race? So the next race is in uh, Brainerd, Minnesota. Okay, and that's next weekend. Um, and we had some Laguna was not a good weekend for us, so I'm sure there's going to be some work to do at Brainerd. Um, my guy had some weird kind of uh, electronics issue with either either the switch gear or the, you know, it uses these fly-by-wire throttles. So the throttle or the uh, throttle position sensor, basically what was happening was the bike, you could rev it and it would rev, but the tack didn't do anything. So it wasn't recognizing that. So as soon as you put it in gear and try to go, it basically goes into limp mode. And so he, we thought it was okay on the grid, like it started to behave normally. But then, you know, when they do the three-minute board, you can't – you got to, like, get out of there. You can't have the bike running, you know. There's just all this stuff. And so when they went to start it back up, it didn't start. So we had to just – he got pushed out the pit lane and, and didn't even make the race. And it's a real bummer because he had qualified better uh, than than he has before. So that was a, a good thing. And then – Luke, unfortunately, got a good start and was running a, a, a good pace, was in fifth or sixth place, I believe, and um, coming up over the corkscrew, like right in the hills, you're about to go down. He said that the front got kind of light and he was getting on the brakes, and I think the tire just lost a lot of the traction it had because it wasn't weighted yet, and so he crashed. And the bike... When it came back, we were like, oh, no, it's horrible. But it was really just like clip-ons, bodywork, it needs a wash job. You know, it wasn't as bad as like when it rolls up in the truck and you're like, oh, no. You are, you are. So at least you were able to get the, the bike back uh, together and go out. Um, yeah, you know. No, uh, no, he, he crashed out of the race. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah, so it was, a, it was both the guys DNF'd in the race this weekend, uh, and it, it's very unfortunate, but, you, you know, sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles. Exactly. You know, I mean, um, racing's racing. I mean, uh, yep. Chris, our earlier guest, uh, Moranian, uh, he just ran an FC07 over there, and Wade ran the, uh, I guess he ran the sidecars. Yep. Did, did you guys run into each other? No, no the, the Armor weekend wasn't the same weekend as the National. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. We're talking about two different weekends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the weekend after. Yeah. Boy, and then I guess they this, had to, yeah, really close together. Yeah. This weekend, um, I want to say it's at Laguna, but it might be Button Willow is that um, CRA race event that's going on, too. Well, I, I, I know they have some Laguna rounds. It's like um, it's a California Race Association. No, uh, I have that in my notes right now. Uh, July 23rd, 24th, Button Willow Configuration 1. Yeah, I've yeah. been trying to get with those guys and race. I actually was out there in February and some, uh, just a whole long story, but, you know, I have an extra 200 tire you can use for the DTR1. 
slick okay. you can cut up. I'm talking to Wade. But uh, anyways, the Dunlop guys totally sold me a 200. I don't damn near kill me in AFM. Went to CRA. And then, uh, yeah, whole different story. Went there, went there, went there. Got my 180 on there. I spent a lot of money. And I go into tech. And I was just like almost through tech. And this guy whispers in his ear. And I was just like, uh, you have an AFM raised oil filter. We only accept stock oil filters. No, <laughs> no cannon for you, man. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And, and, you know, that's it's not as bad as it used to be with that stuff. Because there was a moment after um, Kyle Wyman on his R1 where it caught on fire and it oiled up the track and it was like a big deal. Yard. Like almost every club in the country banned them. But since then... It seemed like either it was just a bad production run or just, you know what I mean? It wasn't near as bad as everybody thought. Well, it fucked up my February, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, with it's the some... CRA, motherfuckers. But yeah, we were so close. And the, the guy who sold me the shitty Dunlop 200, go, well, I'll give you a discount. And I was like, you fuck, you know. Anyways, so I ended up you buying the you 180. You don't like the big you know? tire? Well, no, I never had a 200. He's like, you got to have a 200. On, is this on your R1? My 99. Yeah, I go, I have a 180. I've raced a 180 since 1999. Mm, yeah. Anyways, I was an idiot to I mean, fucking they, listen they, to they them. They have them. I just, for me, uh, <laughs> yeah, all the like, riders at the national level with the six-inch rim like that are on 200s and have been for some time. Well, they're a bunch of pussies. I run a 180. <laughs> you know, so that's all I got to say you, about that. I always kill myself without a you know, goddamn 200. I mean, the 180 <laughs> is less expensive, and that is the 180 is still the tire on the 600, so all the suppliers will have that size. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm messing with you, mate. <laughs> Alex doesn't believe that bigger is better. Yeah, exactly. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> Especially since I haven't been able to race that R1, but... Just use it for work. Anyway, Sean, what's going up now? Um, what's your next thing? Uh, who would you like to plug? Um, well, obviously, 3D Motorsports um, is the team I work for, and, and, and definitely check them out. Um, and our riders are Luke Powers. He's on the 600 Super Sports. And Stephen Shakespeare is on the uh, Stock 1000. Um and, uh, man, I, I, I just can't really thank Dustin and his wife Ashton enough for giving me the opportunity to go out there and, and race with them and, um, and, you know, have a, have a lot of fun. You know, I mean, it's, it's definitely some, some hard work and some long days, but at the end of it, it's, it's still kind of fun. Well, Sean, I mean, uh, you should be on the show regularly. I mean, and have your own show per se. My show is like, um, you're living the dream as far as, you know, you've always done your stuff here. You're kind of legendary here in the city as far as taking care of bikes and stuff. But you've always, you know, I mean, you could almost write about this. I mean, dude, you're a super bike mechanic and, you know, and, you know, and so many teams and you've done this, you know, for a while. And, you know, yeah, this you, is now my 20th season. Yar. You know, that's that yeah. that says a lot, you know. Congratulations, and, man. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's big. Yeah. I'm surprised you don't have an ulcer. But uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you've got an ulcer. There's no I, question I you've got an ulcer. I definitely don't sleep well sometimes, like before the race day, just because I'll, we get back to the hotel or whatever. And then, you know, 
time to go to sleep, and then I start thinking about, okay, what do I got to do tomorrow? When am I on track? Yeah, I got the tires. Exactly. I got everything. You know, and that can be that can be a little stressful. I I don't know if I have an ulcer, but I definitely your mind um, goes. (laughs) You got that three a.m. cycle where you're like, you know what? It's three o'clock in the morning. I'm wondering if those. Yeah, well, at, at, at three, I'm like, I don't even try to go back to sleep because we're usually yeah, up exactly. Five and now you got to get up and go. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, Sean, we got to go. We got a caller coming in soon. Thanks for calling in again. And next time you're in town, you know, uh, yeah, Chad and I, you know, our, our roommates now come over, have a fucking ribeye, man. Oh, definitely, man. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, yeah. And take care of yourself, and uh, we want to hear some more tales next time you're around. All right. Thanks a lot, Alex. All right. Cheers, cheers, mate. Congratulations, Ben. Yeah. Right on, right on. (laughs) Well, great.
up and down You know I lost a lot of friends there, baby I got no time to mess around So if you want it, got to be Welcome back to Races Alley here at Meeting the Radio in the heart of the mission. We have some great guests earlier. We had a Chris Moranian call in and Sean King call in. And I believe what we have right now on the phone, uh, Milk Crate Brian, this is Andrew Gower. Hey, how's it going? Hey, welcome back. <laughs> We've had you on more than once, and you are, you know. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Th- third time's a charm, I guess. Well, congratulations. Uh, you've done some racing since we've last spoken. What's that? You've done a lot of racing since we last spoken, right? You've been here. It's like you yeah, went to Laguna yeah. and Moto America. Yeah, I did a few events, and then yeah, Moto America Laguna was a big one, and uh, pretty pretty great weekend, I thought. Well, tell us about that. Uh, what bike exactly were you running, and uh, what tires? And you know, how was it? Uh, you can start at either one. I mean, uh, was Laguna before Moto America? Uh, the Moto, well, Moto America was at uh, Laguna Seca, and then two weeks before that, they had um, that newer club, California Road Race Association. Yeah, they CRA. At Laguna. Yeah, so the newer club, CRA, they had a race at Laguna, and me and Chris Maronian did, did both events together. Um, so he's on the R3. I'm riding uh, the black number 25, uh, Ninja 400. Nice. Like m- most of the people riding in that Junior Cup, uh, actually everyone except for Chris was on a Ninja 400. But, okay, uh, I had really a question like about that. Right <laughs> I had a question about that, and uh, basically is you're mentioning a Junior Cup, and uh, Chris didn't mention this. So there is a cup uh, going on right now with uh, CRA or uh, Moto America that uh, has to do with Kawasaki? Um, so the Junior Cup's open to a bunch of different manufacturers like uh, Yamaha, I think technically Suzuki has a bike, Honda, Kawasaki, um, and KTM. Uh, it's just that right now the 400 is kind of the best value, like bang for your buck. Um, there, there's the KTM RC390, which is a really good competitive bike, but they're just really expensive to run. I imagine fragile um, as well. And then the R3 needs a bunch of motor work to help it keep up with the 400. 
and the smaller motor is a little bit less torque so it's uh uh, kind of everyone's just uh, been on the 400. Uh, no, uh, I, I, I actually mentioned to my nephew who wants to buy a motorcycle to buy that exact bi- motorcycle, uh, especially to go out on track days and such. So anyhow, uh, you've done a couple of, you're do, doing CRA as well as, uh, how was it to, to do CRA in Moto America? I mean, uh, boy, a lot of people don't, aren't able to do that a lot. And uh, I imagine that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was a really good experience. Uh, CRA was cool, just being able to even race at that track. Um, this is, so I've raced at Laguna three times now, but um, wow. I think okay. that was the first club so, race they had really done in a long time there. Uh, I hear decades, not sure. But um, but that was cool, and then Moto America was really nice. I thought there was a pretty good turnout, especially just considering the economy and everything. Um, I, I know the numbers were up from last year. I'm not sure how much, but... It's pretty cool, you know, riding and racing, and yeah, fans that are all over, less like the RVs or just sitting out in the uh, bleachers. Um, you know, it's been a surprise. We, you know, we even had like enough cars parked where they were, you know, all the way up the side of the hill. Nice. Was, um, yeah, it seemed like a pretty good turnout. Yeah, I'm more of a tent guy, you know, and my bike might have a tent as well within me. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I notice a lot of times now, actually, all the races, everyone has an RV or something. Trailer, all these expensive trucks and stuff. Uh, yeah, I got it. Oh, sorry, Wade. Let's see. What is it? What, uh, Brian? There you are. I'll just Uh-oh. turn them all up. Sorry. Okay, wait up. You up there? Yeah, hello? All right. Oh, yeah. So that's two and that's three. Sorry, Chris. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Andrew. Anyways, so what's up, man? You know, uh, you're racing right now uh, the 400. So, are you in a particular cup in a position right now to get a championship, or uh, you run CCS no, so FM? I, I just I just did the uh, the one off um, the the one off uh, pro race at Laguna Seca. I haven't done any of the other rounds. Um, I mean, that would be cool, but yeah, so far this year just the one round. Um, and then with with AFM and CRA, I haven't been haven't been doing every single round in in each club so i'm not sure where i am in the standings as far as championship well i mean Um, you're a racer and a racer's a racer so at least you're out there i mean shit we tried in february and they tried to steal our truck and whole bunch of stuff when i was running with the cra for a second and uh yeah had a you know brand new slicks of my r1 and uh what we were ready to go and they just said and we were almost there he goes like uh, yeah, you have a AFAM filter or whatever, and you need to have a stock oil filter. And yeah, so that ruined my weekend. They even tried to steal my truck, but that's a whole different story. But Andrew, you know, um, are you planning to go to the San Pedro Material Hill Climb and the Baja International Tourist Cup? Because, you know, you did well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it went really well last year. So since I won my classes, um, I get an entry towards the, this season. So that's pretty cool. Um, I'm just going to enter, uh, last year I, I did the supermoto for the hill climb, but, uh, I'm thinking this year I'll, uh, race the, the Ninja 400 and, and both, awesome. both events and, uh, I'll just, you know, be easier to only have to bring down the one bike and not make so many changes. That's awesome. Uh, I plan on going there. Uh, you know, uh, I'm actually going to be able to do that. So it'll be great to see you. And yeah, uh, I'm actually Wade. I was yeah. mentioning earlier, um, I'm not going to do 
AFM or CRA because we're pretty much almost next to there. And uh, actually, I'm using that particular R1 right now for it's my job. Sunny, so it's, it's like a, it'll be tuned in before I get there. And yeah, I'm very, very happy to be going out there with my R1. And uh, yeah, I'll be, uh, be great to meet you. And uh, yeah, I, I figure, you know, I'm not racing anything. You know, as far as I, I can't do the rest of AFM or CRA to actually make any points to make any difference. So I'm going to save the money to go to the Baja International and the, uh, the hill climb as well, Andrew. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll talk later about that. I want you to call in again because we're going to have a special on that uh, if you raced it and uh, start talking about that and promoting it and letting other uh, racers know exactly what it's like so they can pre prepare for that. Yeah, yeah, it should be great. I think there'll be a better turnout. It'll be cool to meet you. Um, I know uh, me and Chris are hoping that uh, Wheelie Wade will be racing. We uh, have oh, a lot Wade. of fun watching them wheelie and down the uh, Mexican <laughs> highway. That's pretty funny. Wade, you'll be there, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll be there. He, he's, he's my mate here at, you know, Racers Alley, so he's just, you know, right next to he's, me. <laughs> he, he's going to he's gonna have to show me his, uh, his uh, secret trick. Uh, get those perfect clutch hopes right <laughs> it is a talent oh uh, yeah I, try, I wish that all the time you are you are so andrew you know um yeah i hope to meet you soon and like uh good luck on your next race and we'll talk next time and uh uh well please be a regular uh contributor to our our, our, our show here because I'm going to start it up now, uh, I guess, until after the San Pedro Marte Hill Climb. Or I'll just start it up again. Uh, Pam Tastic's been really nice to me. And um, so anyhow, um, please uh, be a regular contributor and call in and uh, we'll have fun. Awesome. Uh, thanks for having me on again. All right, all right. No problem, brother. And uh, okay. hope to meet you soon. Okay. See you. Bye. Right. Be safe. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome back to Race Alley here at Mutiny Radio in the Heart of a Mission. And uh, yeah, it's been a great show. I mean, actually, uh, Chris Moranian called in earlier around 6.40 and we had a good talk about uh, his racing ventures. And Sean Keen, so, uh, he's been our guest here in more than one out. And uh, yeah, he's an AMA badass. And, you know, it's yeah, it's always great to have him on our show and, you know, uh, discuss what's going on. And uh, his teams that he's working with. I mean, geez, boy, oh, boy, that's a, a wonderful thing. And uh, just recently, Andrew Gower called in, and he's been our, our, on our show earlier. And, uh, you know, he's actually ran the Baja International Tourist Cup as well as San, San Pedro Batu Hill Climb. So we'll have him on for sure uh, in the future, uh, running the 400s. Uh, yeah, uh, we got to start promoting that because uh, the Baja International Tourist Cup is coming up in uh September 29th and 30th, and the San Pedro Martillo Hill Climb is coming up on October 3rd and 4th. My and birthday's the 5th, so if you want to all send me just a bunch of cash so I can do both, that'd be really, really cool. Anyways, otherwise, uh, that being said, uh, here's the uh, schedule right now for the latest racing. AFM's going on on August 6th and 7th, Thunder Hill. Uh, AFM's going on on September 17th and 18th at Thunder Hill. And AFM is going on on October 8th and 9th at Laguna. Unfortunately, Wade and I will be riding home from there, I imagine, <laughs> from yeah. So, yeah, Baja International Tourist Cup. Yep. You know, yeah. That's kind of on the way home, ain't it? No, that's, uh, uh, sort of a long, that's a long way home. 
Gotcha. All right. And uh, anyways, the CRA, a California Roadways Association, uh, they're going to be going July 22nd, 23rd and 24th at Button Willow. Configuration 1. I'll have to have him on the show to actually uh, let us know what that means. And then on August 20th, 21st, Button Willow Configuration 26. Apparently, they're going to be doing a lot of uh, construction where they're actually, like Thunder Hill or Sears Point, they've actually added more and more racing track. So uh, we'll see what happens from there. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, yar yar. So uh, our show's going to be ending early. And uh, hey, you know, what I've seen consistently from everyone on the face of my book and everything doing their track days and all that good stuff, you got to thank Max Klein at Oxymoron Photography. Man, that guy captures everyone doing everything from racing to track days. And it's really, really cool to actually have a picture of yourself going around a turn on a, on a motorcycle. Because, yep. you know, right? Yep. You know, pictures, pictures are a thousand words. And uh, Max Klein's really a badass, and he's done a lot. He's been all around the tracks, and, yeah, he's really, really cool. You know, yeah, right? Okay, you want to say something? Oh, well, yeah, I do have something to say. Come on down to Molotov's Bar on Sunday, (laughs) August 28th at 3 p.m. for a very rare Molotov's Rock and Roll show featuring the Jazz Guys, Lipstick with former members of War Bison and my band Sunset Scavenger. Yar yar. Is that this weekend? It is the last Sunday of August, and we're just hyping it up preemptively. All right. So you'll be hearing this from here on in at Razor's Alley. Yar. This is the first. This is the first you heard. Ding ding. I wish I had a bell. Anyway. Yar. Ding ding ding. Yar yar. Well, thanks everyone for uh, being on our first show in a while, and it's really really cool because uh, yeah, we had a great time, didn't we? Yeah yeah. We're back. We're back here. Yeah. We are back, and. Um, well, uh, well, you'll hear from us next week, and uh, we'll do whatever we'll be doing. Wait, are you going to be racing between this week and next week? Yeah, I'm racing uh, tomorrow night, Friday, Fast Friday, uh, Extreme Sidecars. I was mentioning that earlier. Wade Wade's races now sidecars as well as um, regular sidecars. And your alcohol and so- burner. So Wade's yeah. been going back to his roots, was actually doing circles, really, really, you know, small town uh, dirt stuff. So Wade, explain that. You got, wow. We got a sidecar. It's got, it's, it's the same, it's got a 1,000 in it. We go around in circles to the right, and there's no brakes, and you pin it on the line, and, and you see what you kind of, kind of bump into everybody when you get to the corner, and somebody comes out in the lead. So this is all the dirt, or kind of a flat track, uh, you know, uh, you know, blue pavement. It's it's totally dirt. But, okay. So it's a little loose, but it it gets to be blue groove. Gotcha. On the when you when you really get down on it, when you when you when you're yeah. there. And the number one guy goes really fast, and he's got nitro or whatever. It's 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 it's, it's actually great. <laughs> all the fans are the fans are packing the stands, and they're raving about it. it's great so i'm in the second i'm the, the second five um so the first five are uh they make the main event main event i make the main event once in a while gotcha so um who's your sponsor for that are you running that or do you have your own rig no i'm kind of renting it from uh robert curry 
um, who's been doing Speedway and this, and then Sidecar Speedway for a while. He actually owns four Sidecars. Wow. And he goes, this one's possessed. It, it did something funny to him. <laughs> he, he wrote it once. It did something funny to him. So he goes, oh, that's possessed. And I, he doesn't want to ride it. But but don't bang it up because it's my it's my fastest car. <laughs> but that's the only one we've ridden. So it's, it's great. So no one will run a possessed one except for you. Yeah. Awesome. And I've seen Eric hanging off that on the face of my book. So you guys are doing pretty good. Yeah. We, we've done kind of a full season, um, and now we've moved up. we got new leathers. We're looking good. We're, yeah. We look like a real team. Yeah, yeah, and, for sure. And uh, who made those? Uh, Ali, Ali Moto. Ali Moto. Yeah. yeah, he's made a couple of leathers I've seen. Uh, your team leathers, the purple with the checkers on there. Yeah. So they look really great. And it's nice to actually you know, know those folks can actually – you know, uh, do what you like in patterns and stuff because yeah. it's definitely intricate. You can do so anything you can draw. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. You, 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 are, you are. So uh, we had the dirt bike one, and then there's you're running your Jawa? Yeah, I'm going to try. I, I, I called in. I'm going to bring my Jawa up, and it's going to run that. So I haven't ridden it's a speedway bike. I it's a, yeah, it's a <laughs> speedway bike, and it runs on ethanol, methanol, methanol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's those little ones with the big thing. It's like, you know, it's like what you saw in like rollerball. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's called a wall magnet. I only hit the wall once. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw you when you first got that. You know, it was fucking awesome. You sprayed the whole, you know. Uh, Side. Is that the one when you picked it up over at Kevin, Kevin Maley's ranch? Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. Were Ken Maley's. Yeah. It yeah. was great. Yeah. So they watered the track, and I, so I had to wait for a little while. And, and then, so I got to talk to him, and then we went out and played on the track, and I, I dusted all the walls. <laughs> and then we had to leave. It was awesome. Had to go to another track and do something else. Yeah, that's right. There you are. That was a big weekend. All right. Anyways, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, with that bike. So where are you going now? I'm going to go, I'm going to go fast Fridays now. And then I'm going to go to Auburn. Yeah. Auburn. Everyone should go to Auburn. And, uh, every Friday they do a fast Friday where you have circle tracks. It's like horse races. And yeah. Shit. They do speedway, which is outrageous. But uh, once a month they do sidecars along with the speedway. And they pack the fan. They pack the fans, and in the the, the uh, things are something full. to see. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a small town. They got nothing else to do. Exactly. Far, it's yeah. like a local baseball right. team, but it's even funner. Yeah, it's, a, it's yeah. a beautiful town. It's close to San Francisco. You should go up to Auburn and watch Fast Fridays. It's just fantastic. <laughs> it really is. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I shall. Yeah. Uh, it's the best thing it. in town. Yeah, yeah, that's fucking awesome. Anyways, um, well, uh, I guess we're going to be heading on out of here. Uh, thank you. Uh, well, Wade, Kevin, Bill Crate, Brian, yar, yar. We haven't had a crew back to here in a, in a while. Oh, okay, before we have, we have a few minutes, and I want to ask you some particular questions, Kevin. Okay, I'll take that. How was it? Was, was it your first time at the Isle of Man watching the races? Well, it was the second time I've been there. It, the, the, the first time was for the Manx GP, which was if I had advice to anyone going to see it, it to go to the Isle of Man, go to the Manx first. If you can do it twice, go to the Manx first. 
and the big race is second because it's fast. I mean, they're both fast, but I mean, it's ungodly fast in, in the big races. And either way, you just come out way ahead. Everybody there is, there, there are certain races everyone should see. You should see the Baja 1000. Why? You because are. everyone who's doing it yeah. is not doing it for the money. They're spending <laughs> money. That's all they're doing. Yeah. And it's crazy, you know, and it's life-threatening, and it's, it's, it's a true absurd challenge, you know. And Wade is obviously, he's racing, what, 19 times? 19? I mean, uh, nine I've been now. in 50 classes. Yeah, there you go. So he's, it's insane, you know. And when you see the race, it's fantastic. And it's one of the few races, I've been in GPs, I've been in superbike races. They're great, but it's different. It's just absolutely different. And yeah, I call it raw. It is, you know, and I mean, and, and people are like, wow, oh, Jesus, you know, these guys are crazy. They're, yeah, they are. They're, they're fucking crazy. <laughs> That's all there is to it. But it's crazy in a way that if you're a writer, you get it. And it's and uh, there, there was a, a a book I picked up while I was over there. It was called uh, uh, "It's That Life Death Thing," you know, huh. and and it's it's a fantastic book because frankly, they, they kind of slam on Guy Martin, which he deserves, like. You know, Everybody's business. Everybody loves Guy Martin, and I'm, it's, it's not fair, you know, because <laughs> everybody hates that guy. Anybody who's in racing hates that guy because he stole a pair of forks. But uh, and uh, yeah, it was kind of a kind of a tough call. But he's they're all crazy. They're all fast as as can be. And let's face it, things go wrong. The second it goes wrong, you're dead. It's not there's there's no wall that that saves you. There's no there's no crash barrier that makes things happy. All that is is a crash barrier just in time for you to die while they can red flag the rest of the race. It was it was a tough thing to watch. So like five people died this year. Yeah. A father and son team died. Yeah. And then there was the other the other sidecar thing, and I was actually asking Wade about this earlier. It's like, where the hell do you practice sidecar? Because as a spectator, all of us were wondering, where the hell do you practice sidecar? Yeah, that's and, a very great question. And the, <laughs> the other ir- irony was is that when it came down to when they practice, they, they, they do pre-qualifying, and now they're down 20 racers per race, as opposed to you know, when Wade was racing, it was at least 35, you know, where it was a pretty wide-open field. A lot more than that. Yeah, as I say. Really? And, and frankly, wow. anybody who finishes that freaking race deserves an award just for finishing it. But it's you uh, do you get yeah, a medal so they, they, they except the, for the passenger, which is unfair, right? They, no, no, you, the passenger gets one too. Oh, and they Good. should, and they absolutely should. I mean, and the, the, the sad part was, you were what? Like, I was at uh, um, a Kirk Michael, and just as the sidecars were coming by, the, the very first ones in, the, in their very first race, not 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 qualifying anymore. These are these are the guys, and they had to pull them in, right? And this is this is what I love about the Isle of Man. Those guys get out of their bike, and they're just kind of hanging out. Yeah, because they red flag the race. And frankly, as a spectator, you all know why. Something really bad happened. And we yeah. didn't know. You don't know what it is because they're actually fairly quiet about it. They, they, they don't really want to announce what's happened. So these guys yeah. are sitting there, they're sitting there, and it's... It goes quiet on the island. Yeah. No, everyone's yeah, around you is quiet. Is what it is like. Everyone around you is yeah. hushing because they knew before yeah. you even pulled over. Yeah, now you're know, scared. Yeah. Now, bear in mind, yeah. there's, a, there's a pub 150 freaking feet away from me, but I can't cross the road to get there. Well, the racers can. So what do they do? They walk over to the pub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because the team's going to come up and pick up their sidecar, 
and they're getting loaded. And let's face it, they don't have any money on them, so everyone's no, buying them bikes. drinks. Yeah, I broke and, down over Glen Helen, and they gave me a pint. <laughs> it's just uh, it, in that. No, relax- I was pouring. I was wet. It's a fucking wreck. Anyways, As we have to go. We're, got, we're out of time it. in like uh, thirty seconds or okay, something. Okay, so in those oh, last, no. in, yeah. those, no. in the last thirty seconds. In the great lexicon of the races that you can watch before you fucking die, you got to plan it and go. You just got to go to it. Well, it's a motorcyclist dream. It is, <laughs> it, it is and it deserves to be so. Yar. Thank you for being at me, Radio. Yar. Thank you all. Yar. <laughs> that's got to make sense that fracking causes earthquakes. Yeah. It yeah. only makes sense. It's been an issue, like in states like Texas it and Oklahoma. Only makes and they've sense. Been trying, they've been trying to, there have been people protesting uh, against the fracking thing. And then also, too, um, people, I, I think it, this happened in Ohio where they were fracking and like their water caught on fire or some shit. <laughs> yeah. Like really crazy. This is what man is doing. That's what we're doing. Yeah. No man-made food, man-made stuff. And the question is, wh- when we make our replicated food, because that'll that'll exist soon. You, you know, you press the button and da da da. There's your milkshake or whatever. What is it made out of? Like, is it know. all made out of corn? Is it all made out of like baby stem cells? Is it all made out of hemp? Is it all made out? What what is it? Is it like, is it a machine that like, that like builds? Builds it out of hemp and then it injects it with edible flavor. Like what is? It's like that movie Sewing It Green. Oh, it's people. It's people. <laughs> but seriously, what are we gonna? Um, what are we gonna do with our overpopulation problem? And when the overpopulation is gonna get so scary because when the global warming, when all of our deserts exponentially grow and we make a huge swath of our planet uninhabitable. All those people have to go somewhere. And then the racism that we have and the walls and all that shit is going to be terrible. We need to break down all the walls. We need to be like, we're all humans. Because, so it's like, are we just going to say, oh, sorry, the place that you got, you were, you lived in is uninhabitable. You can't come to Well, isn't most of the population Portland, in Asia anyway? <laughs> no. I don't, I mean, I thought that was well, the old, the that's, and that's something that happens in the heat. Old people die. <laughs> that's um, <laughs> with the exception of Japan. I mean, China, that's what I meant. Not Asia. Excuse me. China is the one that is the country that has the most people in the world. So, yeah. well, are they aging or are they just, no, they take the, care of their own. The so. Japanese are though. They're going to be dying off real soon if they don't start fucking. Well, let's, I want to look up like a, a, a global warming desert spread, something like that. Someone's got to be talking about this, right? Global warming desert spread because like Sahara Desert expandly largely largely due to climate change okay that's oh, exactly like, what I want oh nice. yeah so like if I mean not nice not but nice but if this if the Sahara like it's are the largest desert in the world right and, it, and the Gobi Desert is in is in um, in China so uh, climate change is making deserts greener that's interesting Climate change is making dentists grew. The desert spread as temperature. Oh, here, this is the picture I want. I want an image. Um, deserts are already spreading. 50-year trend in Palmer drought severity index, 1950 to 2002. And uh, 
and the negative, the drier areas. Oh, and that's interesting because the, the drier areas are up even in the tundra. And I, I don't usually think of a desert like that, but yeah, yeah it's I guess that makes sense. it's a desert up there because yeah. it, there's ice, but it's too cold. It's uninhabitable is the thing. So it's when these purple spaces, these purple spaces are like the uninhabitable kind of stuff. Oh, the purple ones? The Sahara Desert is spreading south into Darfur and the Sahel. See Spain, Italy, Greece. Oh, they are having trouble. The Gobi Desert is spreading into northeast China. More sandstorms visit Beijing. Retreating glaciers moisten the soil in Tibet. The USA lucked out until 2007. Um... Anyways, I'm scared. We should all be scared, I guess. What but, can we do? But global warming isn't real. But what can we do? The thing is, I mean, honestly, what, we could stop what can fracking. We could stop fracking. We can do that. But we as individual people, like, I don't drive a car, so I can't really go very much farther than already reducing my carbon footprint. But, like, I could look for less packaging in my foods. That, I could go with yeah. less packaging. I could always bring my own bags i can i can be responsible for my plastic intake i need to do that too with the plastic intake but it's, sometimes it's hard especially if you're going to the store after you went for a jog right <laughs> well and pla- plastic they take it from the ground and and i mean it's just it's like petrol too um warming climate increases the spreading of the sahara the sahara spread is now established its sands are on the march the desert is growing thanks to climate change in the last century the region of the sahara technically defined as desert has increased by at least 10 percent and the area that becomes technically desert with less than 100 millimeters 3.93 inches of rain a year has increased this summer the wet season over the same period by 16%. And if climate change is at work in Northern Africa, the same may hold true for some of the world's other deserts as well, researchers warn. U.S. meteorologists report the Journal of Climate that they looked at data from the years 1920 to 2013 to explore annual trends. Deserts are the natural geographic features with no fixed boundaries. Parts of them can bloom in rainier years and support crops, even foraging animals, only to become extreme arid zones a year or two later. Deserts exist because the natural circulation of the atmosphere. Air rises at the equator and descends in the subtropics to flow back to the equator near a ground level and establish a pattern of low precipitation. Weather experts call this phenomenon the Hadley circulation after the 18th century British natural philosopher George Hadley. Climate change is likely to widen the Hadley circulation, causing a northward advance of the subtropical deserts, said Sumant Nagam, a professor of atmospheric and oceanic studies at the University of Maryland, one of the authors of the study. The southward creep of the Sahara, however, suggests that additional mechanisms are at work as well. The other factors probably linked to the shifts in the Sahara sands include a natural climate cycle known to oceanographers and meteorologists as the Atlantic Multidecal Oscillation. Overlapping patterns. The headache for climate scientists to distinguish one natural pattern of change from another. More alarming trend as a consequence of climate change triggered by global warming as a consequence of the ever-increasing use of fossil fuels by human economies. In such 
Dissections are not simple. The Sahara expands in the arid winter and shrinks a little with the summer rains. Between the shifting dunes of the Sahara and the fertile savannas of tropical Africa lies the Sahel, a region that straddles 14 nations, from Senegal on the Atlantic coast through Mali and Chad to Ethiopia on the Red Sea. Researchers have repeatedly warned that climate change could bring more famine to this precarious region, but other scientists have detected a trend toward increased rainfall that could make parts of the Sahel flourish again with climate change. The latest study suggests that on evidence of water levels in Lake Chad, overall conditions could become harsher for the meager grasslands and impoverished communities of the Sahel. Century-long trend. The Chad Basin falls in the region where the Sahara has crept southward, and the lake is drying out. It's a very visible footprint of reduced rainfall, not just locally, but across the whole region, says Professor Nagam. This the scientists attribute about a third of the shift to the desert's regime to human-induced climate change and the rest to other cyclical weather patterns. The research have, researchers have been examining desert, desertification for decades, but this paper is claimed to be the first to establish a trend over most of a century, according to Natalie Thomas of the University of Maryland, who led the study. Our priority was to document the long-term trends of rainfall and temperature in the Sahara. The next step is to look at what these driving, look what is driving these trends for the Sahara and elsewhere. We have already started looking at a seasonal temperature trend over North America, for example. Here, winters are getting warmer, but summers are about the same. In Africa, it's the opposite. Winters are holding steady, but summers are getting warmer. So the stresses in Africa are already more severe. Yikes. And then what's going to happen to all those people? Like, let's just say that whole Sahel era, right? That whole Sahel area. Um, I'll put Sahel map in and we'll see how many people. Um, it's this, wow. It's this whole, it stretches from one side to the other. Wow. Oh, wow. It goes all the way across, across in the a big band. Continent. So imagine that all those people have to migrate somewhere. Now they're, now where they live is uninhabitable. There's 14 countries that it spreads across. And all of those people are like, can't live here anymore. And they either have to move south. Can, 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 that's a huge, that's a huge amount of space. And, that's and a, yeah. how many people live there? How many millions of people will be displaced? And where are they going to go? And if you look at our current immigration policies, they're not coming here. No. We're not going to let anybody in. Well, they're trying to stop people like now, like in European countries, you know, there are a lot of people that have been migrating to Europe, um, not just because of well, the, the war, war. Syria. I yeah. mean, war, I mean, which that that's climate uh, war affects climate yeah. change too. Sure. Um, yeah. and then there's been a lot of people in Africa. What Instead have of you? rain, it rains bullets. Yeah. It's right? really dangerous. It's, it's way more dangerous than hail. They're bullets. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. You're bound to die. But if you get hit in the head yeah um but there have been uh people uh, from africa that have been migrating to european countries because of either i mean it, it food mm -hmm. famine famine yeah that's climate change or war yeah that also goes into that umbrella as well, well. because why are we fighting with people because of we want their oil because cl climate change oh well, i mean 